The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. Ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without defect or blemish, he was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the, ages, at the end of the ages for your sake. Through, you good? Yeah, more echo. It is super helpful. Yeah. 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 If you guys can sit on opposite pews, too. Yeah. Well, I think it may be under 20, but... Okay, but in any case, you're recording other pieces too. Yep. So I'll just set a timer so that I know when it's about to reach its 20 minutes, and then I'll come up, and when it's about to hit that, Don't. like when it's five seconds left, I'll, put, I'll be standing here and I'll put my arm up. And that just means buy me some time, take a drink of water, wrap up your thought, and then pick it up again once I've started a new video, and Ian can just edit it out. He, okay. He made it pretty seamless last week. Yeah, I didn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I am going to start. Did you get your levels already? I did. So if we then, I'll just run through all the different parts of the service. Yeah. We'll do like greeting, benediction, prayer, sermon, and then we can just send that file to Ian. Yeah, I and think then. That's, and frankly, the, I, I think the more the more pieces we add, the more likely it is we should just do one big one big recording. But you don't need to worry about that. Yep. Okay. And Ken read the gospel text, I think, last time. I'll just look that up so that I can read it. Yeah. Our God who calls us into worship this morning uh, greets us into his presence 
um, with these words of grace. And so I invite you to hear these words this morning uh, in your homes. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in plenty. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And as we have been greeted in in the presence of God by his grace, I invite you to also extend that peace to others around you, in your families, uh, in your neighborhoods, in in our communities, and, and beyond. God sends us from this place with words of peace as well and calls us to follow him. He gives us a blessing as we go, so receive these words of blessing. The God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do God's will working among us that which is pleasing in God's sight. Through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. It's my privilege to lead us in a congregational prayer this morning, and so I invite you to join me in prayer. Would you bow your heads? Father in heaven, we come before you now in a prayer of your people and for your people. We pray because you tell us to pray, you taught us to pray, and because it's also a great privilege to be able to freely come before you at any time and talk to you about the things that we worry about, think about, or struggle with. God, you are powerful and gentle. You are mighty and humble. When we pray, we know that that our words won't come back to us empty because time and time again, you have shown us that you do listen and that you do answer prayer. Thank you that you give us your spirit, your personal presence, to help us even know what to pray for. Father, we may think that the things that we pray have come from our minds or because of our thoughts, but really it's because your spirit stirs them up in us. And so we thank you. God of all things, we love you. And we want to thank you for the the faithfulness you've shown to us in the midst of all the things that are going on in the world right now. The gospel does enable us to live with lower anxiety, an encouraging community around us, and a hope that is beyond this world. Sometimes we take this for granted. We take being a Christian for granted. Or we can think that it's because we're so smart or thoughtful that we have become Christians Father, we know that this is not true. We are Christians only because you've called us each by name and opened us, opened our eyes to the truth about you and about our worlds. And so we give you praise and thanks. Jesus Christ, we are in a season of celebration. We know that you have risen from the dead, defeating the grave. Hallelujah. You have have changed the, the course of human history. 
You've given us life. And you've called us to continue your work of changing the world. And so we pray that you send us your Holy Spirit. That you would enable us to be like you in the ways that we talk. To be like you in the ways that we are with others, even from a distance. Help us to listen and listen fully to our, our spouses or siblings, to our neighbors and friends. Father, give us compassionate hearts that are slow to judge and quick to love. Holy Spirit, empower us to be the presence of Jesus in this time and place. We often struggle to know how, how to live as Christians, and you know that. Holy Spirit, give us clarity as we try to listen to you and follow the, the promptings of, of your Spirit in our lives. Convict us into action. And Father, help us to see that even simple actions are our responses to the gospel and, and living in obedience to you. Simple actions like a, a text message or a phone call or the hellos to people who, who, who may need it. Simple actions like, like choosing to build people up with our words instead of tearing people down. Father, be with your church. We pray that you continue to surround the Vortman family with your comfort and peace. You have encouraged them so much with support from their friends and family and community and we desire them to be continued to continue to be filled with this love and support. Father, may they find comfort in your word during this season of loss and grief. Father, we pray for those in our church who are fearful of this virus. Father, we pray for those in our church who are worried about finances. Father, we pray for those who are missing human connection. Father, bless our households as tensions can rise so quickly and so easily. Father, bless the single people in our church. Give them people to connect with as we live apart from each other. Bless our families as we talk more with each other. Bless the kids and youth as they adjust to online learning, as they miss their friends deeply or, or struggle to find summer jobs. Father, being at home all the time can be boring, and we know that. And so we pray for creativity for them. Father, we also pray for the True City Network and our partner churches in Hamilton. Bless them as they continue to worship in similar ways that we do, distant from one another. Father, may they experience unity and lead them to live the good news each day. Father, bless the other CRCs in Hamilton as well. Father, we pray for those in politics and government, for the essential workers that, that, that are um, on the front lines of, of this pandemic. We pray that you protect them. 
Father, we also pray for those in government, that those who are making decisions that, that we know are really hard and difficult, and we, we, we pray that you would give them wisdom. Lord, we pray for those who are working in areas that may lead them to be infected with this virus. Keep them safe. Allow them to do their jobs well. And we say together, Father, we know that you hold all things in your hand. We trust you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. The reading of the gospel for this morning comes from Luke chapter 24. And so I'm going to read that for, for us uh, this morning. Luke 24, 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, and so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and began to give, give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked about 
on the, we talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. There's a children's story that Tracy and I have been reading to Austin, one that he's actually been requesting quite often uh, from us, and it's about a father and a child that have, are spending a day together. They, they uh, ha- do all sorts of things in this day, but one of the things that they do is they build a cardboard house for the child to play in. And at one point in the story, they, they need to go shopping uh, for supplies for this house. And so they go to, to a hardware store in search of paint and brushes and, and glue and that type of thing. And, and the child, with, with their father, finds himself lost. The page that tells this part of the story is filled with faces and clothes and shopping carts that that are unrecognizable. The child doesn't know them. The the reader doesn't know them. And it, it, it illustrates a brief moment of panic. Daddy, the character says, where are you? This feeling is, is probably similar to the, the feeling that a hiker who goes out on a trail for, on a nice walk and then, and then gets carried away by, by exploring some, some side trail and then before they know it realizes that there's nothing familiar about what's around them. Getting lost, not recognizing the terrain or the situation fills us with, with panic or fear. But on the flip side... Have you ever been uh, in, in a grocery store or a shopping mall or a store and you find yourself recognizing somebody out of the crowd? Have you ever found yourself um, in a room full of unfamiliar faces and then one of the faces jumps out at you as, as a person that you know, a friend? Right? This, this often fills us with, with relief and joy. Recognizing people places or things in our lives is a big part of how we feel safe and connected with one another, empowered to to lead people or trusting enough to follow. You see, we just read a story of, of two people who found themselves in unrecognizable times. These two people were processing together the past few days' experiences as they made their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And then, the person who has caused all the struggle, the person who, who, who ha- has caused them to be so uh, anxious, shows up alongside them. And they don't recognize him. Why don't they recognize Jesus? This was a burning question for me this week as I was reading this text. I I mean, these are people who, these are disciples of Jesus. They know him. 
they have followed him, that they, they are familiar with Jesus, and yet he walks up beside them and they don't recognize him. What about us? Right, do you ever feel like those two on the road to Emmaus, like Jesus is unrecognizable to you at times in your life, like ships passing in the night? Do we miss Jesus walking beside us in our lives? This morning, I think we can ask three questions of this story. You know, what does recognizing Jesus mean for us? Why do we need to recognize him in our lives? And how do we receive eyes to see him? What does it mean? Why do we need to, to recognize him? And, and how do we actually receive eyes to see Jesus in our lives? So first, what does it mean to recognize him? Well, right away, we have to think about the fact that we don't experience Jesus in the same way as the disciples did on that Emmaus road. Right? Be, being in the Easter season, uh, we are looking at texts that, that come before Jesus' ascension to heaven, come before Pentecost, right? Where, where the Holy Spirit, God's personal presence, comes down and, and comes into the apostles and into us as followers of him. And so we have to remember that, that, that the ways that we recognize Jesus is not the same as it was for, for them. I wonder if it's a little like um, what happens between Sawyer and Juliet in the hit TV show, Lost. Right? I always, um, when, I, when I bring up Lost, I always feel old because it's a, it's a show that was, was big in high school for me, but um, there's probably a lot of younger people in our congregation that are rolling their eyes about now because it's, 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 a, it's a show that's from the early 2000s, right? But it's a, it's a show that, that um, it, it tells the story of a plane crash, uh, of a passenger jet that, that was flying over the ocean and crashes on an island, and about how the survivors begin to realize that this island is not exactly the way that it seems. Right? There's strange things about this island. And, and the, as the plot and the seasons go on in, in the story of Lost, we begin to realize how strange this island actually is. And in one of the seasons, the characters are living in an alternate universe. And two characters who know each other quite well in the previous seasons, Sawyer and Juliet, they were actually in a relationship together Sawyer sees Juliet, remembers how amazing she was to him, goes up to her and explains this, and she doesn't remember. She doesn't recognize him. And then Sawyer touches her. And all of a sudden, she's flooded with these, these memories and these images and these feelings and thoughts and emotions of, of who the person that she is talking to really is. She is overcome with awareness. Recognizing Jesus in our lives is an awareness of his presence and his reality in, in a way that we can't ignore. It's being overcome with this awareness of him in the present and in the past.
this is the story of, of Joseph, right? Where, where uh, he is talking with his brothers about how they have sold him, they sold him into slavery, into Egypt. And, and, and then he says to them, you know, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. But this awareness of God's activity in his life. Or, or it's the moment that I shared a few weeks ago with you when Jonathan Edwards finds himself with Jesus, united with Jesus, experiencing his grace through a walk in the woods. Or it's, it's the, the grieving families that, that feel the comfort that they can't quite put their finger on. Recognizing Jesus is, is an awareness of his, his divine activity and conviction in our lives. And when it comes to you know, our, our lives, many of us think that we are at a huge disadvantage living in the 21st century, opposed to the, 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 the disciples. But they, they were able to physically see Jesus and walk with him and, and touch him. How can we possibly recognize him in our lives if it was impossible for them to do it on that Emmaus road? Here's some encouragement. Jesus comes alongside the two, right? He, he physically reveals himself to them, and they don't see him for who he really is. Meaning that, that recognizing Jesus is not a physical thing, right? It doesn't, it's not, uh, uh, the, the physical signs is not the only way that we can recognize Jesus in our lives. There's something more to it than that, or the disciples would have seen him and known him. Also, Jesus opens up the scriptures with them and teaches them about himself. Right? The, 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 after, after Cleopas has shared with him the, the experiences of, of, of Jesus dying and them, their hope in him, Jesus opens up the word and tells them about how he had to suffer and die. And, and, and he tells them the story of the Bible. Imagine that. Right? Just for a second. Imagine being taught about the, the scriptures from God himself. And yet this is not something that opens their eyes to him. Not right away, at least. One commentator I read this week said that this passage shows us that head knowledge is not the only ingredient or the most important ingredient in recognizing the Lord of our lives. Well, then, what is? Right? What is uh, what does it mean to recognize Jesus, or how do we recognize Jesus? What is in, an ingredient? We see that uh, the reality is that the two in this story actually don't play a role in their being able to recognize him. In the Greek manuscripts, the type of word describe, that describes the, the first not recognizing him, and, the, and then when their eyes are opened to him, it's called a divine passive. And there, these types of words are inter, interspersed throughout the Greek manuscripts. And, and every time they're used to describe an action or a moment that is only made possible by God. The Holy Spirit is responsible. God is the one who opens up the eyes of the disciples and of us to recognize his presence in our lives. So does that mean then that I have no way to control or to, to impact me being able to see and recognize Jesus in my life? Is God like the owner of an elitist club, right? Where, who says, has people in a line and just says yes and no, yes, no, and that's that? Not quite. 
We see Jesus talking about prayer early in his ministry. And he says that those who ask, receive. That his father knows how to give good gifts to his children. And what's the gift that he gives as an example? It's the Holy Spirit. We can pray for it. And that matters. Huge. This is why many times in the scriptures, the apostles and Jesus talk about the importance of prayer for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit on an ongoing, daily basis for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes for us to see Jesus and his presence in our lives. The ways that he is, is working in us and through us and convicting us and leading us. We need to pray for it. I had a mentor who once told me to set an alarm every 15 minutes on my cell phone as a reminder to pray for the Holy Spirit in my day. I think he was serious. But why do we need to recognize Jesus? I mean, what's the big deal? Why, can't, why is it so important? Can't we just be Christians and, and believe in Jesus and just live normal lives and not care about this? You know, we can sometimes even see Jesus as a person who, who can get in the way of us uh, accomplishing our, our, our dreams and our hopes and ambitions in our lives, right? We see people all around us in society who seem to be crushing it and don't really care about recognizing Jesus, right? Look at successful musicians or athletes. Lady Gaga, Justin Timberlake, Tom Brady are, are a few that, that come to my mind as, as those who are absolutely on the top echelon in their career. And they don't seem to be paying attention to Jesus. At least it's not clear to us. We could go down the list and ask ourselves, well, are they missing something? Well, popularity, check, right? Money, check. Good looking, check. Success in career, check. See, each one of these people looks like they have made it and that they're living life to the fullest and they don't seem to care about mentioning how Jesus has played a role in that. But in an interview with ESPN, Tom Brady said something that would actually really surprise us. From a professional athlete who's reached the top and has been labeled as the greatest of all time by a lot of people. He said this, there's times when I'm not the person I want to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me I mean maybe a lot of people would say hey man this is what is I reached my goal my dream my life but me I think God it's got to be more than this I mean this can't be what it's all cracked up to be I mean I've done it I'm 27 what else is there for me Does that offend you? From the most accomplished NFL athlete of all time to be searching for more? Tom Brady asking this question is getting at the root of what I think it means to be human. 
without recognizing Jesus in our lives on an ongoing daily basis, we find ourselves so quickly attaching ourselves to things that can't quite get it done for us. They can't quite deliver meaning and satisfaction like we think that they will. The cross stands in front of us to remind us that we are so lost and unable to find true life by ourselves, on our own, the way that God created us to live. Right? One in, uh, he created us to be in relationship with him. And so he came and he had to suffer and die on our behalf. That's how broken we are. That's how unable we are to, to find God on our own, is that he had to come down and suffer on our behalf. This is a big deal. See, we need to recognize Jesus or care about recognizing Jesus on a daily basis because it's what we were built for. It's what gives us joy. And so how do we receive eyes to see Jesus in our lives? I was struck by a quote I ran into this week by a woman named Joni Erickson Tata. Now, some of you may be familiar with her story, um, but for those who aren't, Joni was paralyzed in a diving accident in her early 20s. She's much older than that now. And as a result of this accident and, and her limitations, a lot of people would say that, that she's missed out on life, that she has uh, been robbed uh, of of living life to the fullest. But she writes powerfully about how that's not the case. How she has recognized Jesus more and been filled with joy more, not out of her strength, but out of her weakness. And she writes about how this isn't just a personal thing. This is, this is across the board. On, on a trip to Africa, she wrote when she was observing how, how some people who are really quite vulnerable and weak live. She says, it seems to me that the weaker people become, the more they're forced to rely on Jesus and the greater their joy. So it's a puzzling quote because we're told every day that joy comes through winning. But weakness draws us to look and to cry out for help. And in those moments of weakness is where we find and recognize Jesus in our lives. And we see more clearly the joy of the gospel. As Psalm 16 puts it, I love the Lord for he has heard my voice. He hears my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. See, it's amazing that the weaker people are, the more they see Jesus in their lives. But the more self-sufficient people are, the, the, the more we believe we can do it all, the less we need Jesus, the less we see Jesus. See, the question that I have for Tom Brady is, what if you're looking in the wrong place? Right? What if, what if the, the meaning and, and the joy that you're looking for out of those Super Bowl rings doesn't come from reaching the top? 
What if it's recognizing what you can't do on your own? See, until the way of the cross breaks into our hearts, we will always end up feeling empty at the end. Pastor Ken mentioned it last week, right? Jesus shows the disciples his wounds. There you will experience healing power. This is good news for us. This is the good news of the gospel. That it's not a story of us working hard and finding God, but it's a story of God coming to us, finding us, revealing himself to us. He comes and gives us the eyes to see him. And the gospel tells us that the way to true and lasting joy is actually through the cross of Jesus Christ and not around it. It's there on this journey that we see and recognize Jesus. The children's story I mentioned earlier doesn't end in panic. Neither does the story on the road to the Emmaus road or the story of our world. The, the, the true story, the, the, the ending, is of a father being united to his lost children. That's a message for us to hold on to in these days. Thanks be to Christ. Let's pray. Father God, as we um, hear the, the words of the two who are on the road to Emmaus and of their intense grief and sadness and even depression at the events of the last few days, we can't help but draw parallels. And many of us are feeling the same way that they did, like the rug has been pulled out from underneath us. And we don't recognize what's around us. And Father, help us to see that it's in these moments that you're actually closest to us. And that you are the one who gives us eyes to see this. Lord, would you send your Holy Spirit on each of us today and this week? that we may recognize you in small little things and how the gospel, a story of winning through losing, is a message that transforms us. Lord, help us to live into this, to serve others out of love, to be thankful for the small things and father to recognize that you are in all things and through all things working to redeem this world father we thank you for jesus and we pray in his name amen